you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, first book of the New Testament. And I'm feeling so much better. That was really good. I, you know, somebody asked me earlier, how are you doing? That's kind of a dangerous question to ask sometimes. Because frankly, I was irritable when I woke up this morning. True confession. You ever have those days you just wake up and everything's bugging you? That's not good when it's Sunday. I, I, it reminded me of a cartoon I saw years ago in Leadership Magazine. It's a magazine basically for pastors <laughs> and our strange senses of humor. And it shows a, a, a guy, he's out working on the church sign out front, and it's one of those reader board things, you know, where you've got to put clever little witty scenes and things on there. I'm really glad we don't have one of those because that would make me really irritable. <laughs> but... He's out there putting on, and it, the, the heading is this week's sermon, and a couple other people are watching him fill it out, and one of them says, you can always tell when he needs a vacation, because he has written underneath this week's sermon, it says, just come and find out, meathead. <laughs> but I'm feeling better. <laughs> Really, singing praise to our God and some of those truths we just sang uh, is powerful. It's a wonderful privilege. I, I hope, you know, Sunday can just be Sunday, just another Sunday. We just kind of think like that. But every week is an opportunity to connect with God and, uh, and to hear, to hear him speak to us. That's an amazing thing, and we need that. We need that. You know, our, our church family has experienced a couple of promotions in the last few weeks. A couple of weeks ago, Hal Smith, and then just this last Tuesday, Zane Miller promoted into the presence of Jesus, and we're left behind. So we're both rejoicing and we're grieving, which can be kind of hard to do at the same time. Um, but, you know, it's a reminder. It is a reminder. Life is short. Life is short. And into this world of brokenness, into our brokenness, into our lostness, into our facing an inevitable rendezvous with death, God has spoken a message of life. We need to hear him. We need to listen. So let's pray as we prepare to look into his word this morning and hear his voice Father, that's what we need. We need your spirit to come now and take the words on the page and make them your living word into our heart. Um, give us ears to hear. Give us minds that think carefully and, and help us be responsive to your message of life uh, today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When Jesus was on earth, one of the things he did was he asked a lot of questions. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Maybe you're pretty familiar with the Bible. Maybe you're fairly new to the Bible. Jesus asked a lot of questions, which I just find really interesting, especially in light of the fact that we're told on several occasions that he already knew 
what people were thinking. Which gets me to wonder what some of the reasons Jesus might have for asking questions. Because we, have, we, we do that for more than one reason. You know, sometimes we ask questions for, to get information. Men in particular ask questions for this reason. Which is why when one man calls another man with a question, the call lasts 15, 20 seconds. <laughs> hey, Fred? Yeah. Hey, what time's that men's breakfast on Saturday morning? That's yeah, at 7.30 at the Peachtree Restaurant. Great, thanks. Click. Question answered. Information exchanged. End of phone call. We're all good here. Everybody's satisfied. But now consider this question. What are you thinking about? Now, men, if your sweetheart is asking you that question, especially if you're a rookie, let me just pass on to you. The issue is not information. The issue is connecting. It's relationship. Okay? The question is merely an opportunity to enjoy the relationship, which is why when a woman calls another woman with a question, that call will last 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> Or more, <laughs> if they're friends. Because, see, it's just, it's an opportunity, it's an opportunity to relate. It's an opportunity to uh, connect. And uh, this is why, men, when your sweetheart asks you, what are you thinking about? And you say, nothing? Even if that's accurate, <laughs> you have answered incorrectly. <laughs> you thought, you thought she wanted information. You had no information to give. You were wrong. She wasn't asking for information. She was asking for an opportunity to connect to nurture the relationship, and you told her, no, you jerk. <laughs> that's, that's free. That's not even... That's just... Keep that in mind. There... <laughs> she asked if I'm going to give you the right answer. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. I know what the wrong answer is. <laughs> All right. Moving on. We ask questions for other reasons, too. Getting off of this thin ice here. Um, sometimes the issue is not information and the issue is not relationship. The issue sometimes is accountability. So somebody's in a position of authority over us, say a parent or perhaps a boss, 
And uh, when they ask the questions, they come at you like this, you know, what time were you supposed to be here? What did I tell you? What should you have done? See, they're not asking because they don't know. They know the answer. And they're not really interested in relationship either. This is about, <laughs> this is about holding you accountable to some rule or policy or something. Then there are the questions designed just to get you thinking. And there really isn't a right answer, so to speak. It's just to get you to think deeply and carefully about something maybe you haven't given that much thought to. Teachers love these kinds of questions. You know, the why. So what? What difference does it make? What are the implications of this? And I just want you to get thinking deeply. Now, when Jesus asks questions you discover that he's usually after something deeper than just information. Now, it could be a relationship. could be accountability. You know, a question like, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? <laughs> he's not asking because he doesn't know. Or to get us to think deeply about something. It could be all of those things and more. Now, here's the point. In light of who Jesus is, in light of what he came to do, in light of what he wants to do for us, what he wants to accomplish in our lives, when he asks a question, it just makes sense to take it seriously and to answer as honestly and as truthfully, as authentically as we can. So there's this question Jesus asks in Matthew chapter 16 that I think is really an important one for us as we're working our way through this series, not a fan, because how you honestly answer this question, I mean honestly answer this question, that has a lot to do with how you decide whether or not you're going to be a follower of Jesus or whether you're just going to be a fan. Okay, so we're in Matthew 16. We're going to pick it up at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, he's referring to himself. That's one of the titles uh, that Jesus used to refer to himself. Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. So what is Jesus after here? Why does he ask these questions? We're told he's with his disciples, and here that probably doesn't refer to you know, the, the larger crowd of people who would follow him around. It's probably just talking about the 12, those 12 men that Jesus chose to be with him full time. And they have been with him full-time for something like two years or so. 
now. And um, if you go back and you read the earlier parts of Matthew, you discover that these guys have heard Jesus say a lot, and they've seen him do a lot. So they, they have heard his teaching and kind of been blown away by it. They have seen him um, treat people with great compassion, people in need. They have seen him do miracles. They've seen him walk on water, heal sick people, feed a multitude of people with just a few loaves of bread. They've even seen him raise a dead person back to life. They've also seen him in conflict with uh, the religious leaders as he has just confronted them and said, you guys are more interested in impressing people than you are in actually loving God. So, these disciples, they have seen him, they have heard him, and now he wants them to stop and think And he wants them to answer, to ask themselves, okay, who is he? Who is Jesus? But he he doesn't want them to answer that in some kind of impersonal way, some kind of abstract, theoretical, uh, merely factual kind of way. He makes it very personal. What about you? Who do you say I am? See, the issue is, who is Jesus to you? Really? Who is he to you really? This this is a question that nobody else can answer for you. Okay? This is not an answer, you know, that whatever the class decides, that's the answer, or... Or, uh, you know, what your parents think, or what your friends think, what somebody else thinks, what your church believes. Who is Jesus to you? How would you answer that question? It's not even ultimately about what's factually true, though that should be the basis of it. But not just the facts. What do you actually believe? Who is Jesus to you really? And I love how Jesus draws them into this question. You know, he starts out, who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, hey, hey men, what, what's the word on the street about me? What, what are the people saying? Now, that's an interesting topic for discussion. And you know, it's, it's fairly safe. It's, uh, it's always easier to... You know, who do other people say Jesus is? It's always easier, it's always safer to talk about other people's opinions than to actually put your opinion out there. So, these guys start telling them, well, you know, uh, they say what they've heard people say, and that gives us pretty much the popular answer to the question, who is Jesus? Well, he's a great spiritual leader. I think it was the way you could kind of sum it all up. He's a great spiritual leader. He's a great guy. He's, he's a great man of God, like other great men of God. You know, he's like John the Baptist. In fact, maybe he is John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Or maybe somehow the spirit of John the Baptist in another body um, 
because most people recognize John as a great man of God, a spokesman of God, like the other prophets. And so that's some of the other options. Well, maybe he's Elijah. You know, it does say in the prophets that, that uh, you know, Elijah would return before the great day of the Lord. So maybe this is, maybe this is he. Maybe it's Elijah. Maybe Jeremiah. Maybe one of the other great prophets. Because he's a man of great wisdom. He's a man of great integrity. A man who teaches with authority. That was the thing that kept blowing people away. This guy speaks with authority. Somebody who speaks God's message. That was the popular answer then. That's still a fairly popular answer today. Many people would be willing to say that about Jesus, who would not necessarily label themselves as Christians. Who was Jesus? Well, Jesus was a great guy. Great guy, profound teacher, influential leader, great spiritual guy. Fans, fans would have no problem saying that about Jesus. And then Jesus sets the hook. What about you? Who do you say I am? And I just kind of picture the atmosphere in the group just sort of changing. Have you ever been in a group when that happens? Maybe in a small group or something. Somebody asks a question or says something, and all of a sudden, atmosphere changes. And I just, I picture these guys just kind of looking at each other going, hmm, I wonder who's going to answer first. Well, if I'm quiet long enough, I'm sure Peter will, because <laughs> that's his M.O. Sure enough, but see, we went, we went from a fairly safe, fairly superficial discussion about other people's opinions, and all of a sudden it got very serious and it got very personal, and Jesus looked them right in the eye and said, what about you? What do you say? Who am I to you? There comes a time with Jesus when you have to decide. There comes a time with Jesus when you have to decide. There comes a time when you have heard enough, when you've seen enough, and it's time to make up your mind. Now, if you haven't heard enough, if you haven't seen enough, okay. You know, I I think it's significant that Jesus doesn't really put this question to them until they've been around him for like two years or so. And that's one reason's One of the reasons why here at Philida we periodically offer these things called discovery groups. I think we're about overdue for one, but these are groups where we just get together and it's an opportunity for you to see for yourself who Jesus is, what he said, what others said about him. You don't have to have a church background. You don't have to know anything about the Bible. We just gather together in a no-pressure environment and we look. We just take a look. Uh, By the way, if you're interested in and uh, being a part of a group like that, you could put that on your Connect card that's in your worship folder. Just say, hey, I'm interested in a discovery group. Let us know. But there, there comes a time. So if you haven't heard enough, you haven't seen enough, that's one thing. But there comes a time with Jesus when you have to decide because you have seen enough, you have heard enough, and Jesus' question has to be answered. Who do you say I am? Now, maybe you bristle at that a little bit. You think, well, why do I have to decide? Why, why do I have to make up my mind who Jesus is? I mean, why, why can't I just be undecided? You know, like there's always that question on a survey. 
There's always that option. Sometimes it just kind of blows my mind that people are undecided about that. You know, are you worried about Ebola or not? Oh, I'm undecided. <laughs> I, I don't get that. Yeah, there are some issues where you have to decide. You don't get to not decide. You have to decide. And the identity of Jesus is one of those. Well, why? Because of who he said he is. Because of what he claimed. Because of what he said is the real answer to the question, who is Jesus? The real answer is he's not just a great religious leader. The real answer is he is the one. The one. The one and only. The one of a kind. The one you need to follow. He's one of a kind because of who he is. And because of who he is, you need to trust him with your life. You say, that is an amazing claim. I know. That's why I'm saying you have to decide. Now, let me explain what I mean when I say that's the real answer. Because I mean more than just that it's the correct answer. Fans know the correct answer. We've talked about this before. Churches are full of people who know the correct answer to the question, who is Jesus? You know, fans know the facts, they know the stats, they know the information, but they don't know the person. That's the difference. So when I say the real answer, I mean real in this sense, not only in the sense that it's factually correct, but also in the sense that it's real for you. It's real for you. When Jesus asks, well, what about you? Who do you say I am? That's the answer he's looking for. What's the answer that's real for you? And Peter speaks up. You are the Messiah, the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And we, we know, by the way Jesus responds to Peter's answer, that he's nailed it. He's got it. He's spot on. His answer is correct. Jesus is the Christ. Notice that. The Christ. Not a Christ. Not a Messiah. The Messiah. Not a Son of God. The Son of God. One of a kind. He's not simply another in a long line of great men of God, great spiritual leaders. He is in a class all by himself. Now, these titles mean a lot of different things, but I think one way we could just sort of summarize it is to say it means Jesus is the unique, the unique, the one of a kind, class by himself, revealer of who God is. He is the unique revealer of who God is, the one and only. Now, Take a quick look at just some verses that tell us this. We could, we could spend quite a bit of time on this. But just quickly, Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being. Whoa. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. He's the invisible God made visible, the firstborn over all creation. Whoa. 
Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Whoa! You've looked at me, you've looked at God. How many people have said that to you this last week? Now, here's why the answer that Peter gives is so relevant to us as we're journeying through this not-a-fan thing. Because it's just a few verses after Jesus affirms Peter's answer that we encounter the words that have been at the heart of our journey. Verses 24 through 25 of chapter 16, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, here's the invitation, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here he gives the invitation, follow me. And that leads to life. I'll lead you to life. It's a matter of life or death, Jesus says, in deciding to follow him. That's why this question, who is Jesus to you? That's why this is the biggest question. Because everybody at some point has to answer Jesus' question, what about you? Who do you say I am? Because everybody at some point has to decide, am I going to follow Jesus or not? They've got to answer the question because of what Jesus said, because of his claim. If he didn't claim this, if he didn't claim to be the only way to God, if he didn't claim to be the Christ, the Son of God, if he didn't claim to be the only one to give him life, if he didn't say this is an absolute choice of life or death, well then, okay, we can remain permanently undecided. But he didn't leave us that option. Sooner or later, you have to make up your mind. Who is Jesus to me, really? Because you have to make up your mind, am I going to follow him or remain a fan? See, to remain undecided at some point becomes a choice not to follow. Now, you think, how, how do you make up your mind? How do you do that? How do you look at this man... How do you listen to his words and say, yes. Yes, Jesus, when I hear you, I hear God. When I see you, when I look at you, I see God. You are. I I see the one who came to set me free. I see the one who uniquely reveals who God really is. The one who connects me to God. I see the one who's entitled to rule my life. I see the one that I am to lay down my life daily for and follow with all that I am. That is huge. How do you get there? Well, look carefully at Jesus' response to Peter. He says, blessed are you, Peter. Why is Peter blessed? Because, Jesus says, this truth about who I am was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. In other words, look what he's saying. Peter, you got it right. You got it right. You know who I really am. And Peter, that's a God thing. That's a God thing, Peter. God enabled you to understand and believe who I really am. 
See, only God can do this. Only God can do this. Only God can overcome our natural resistance, our stubbornness, our fearfulness, our hesitancy. Only God can overcome our apathy. Only God can overcome our preoccupation with all this other stuff. Only God can enable us to actually want to look at Jesus carefully and closely. Only God can change our stubborn hearts so that we actually want Him to rule over our lives. Only God can make us love the glory of Jesus more than we love ourselves. It's a God thing. Only God can open our eyes to the true worth of Jesus and say, yes, I want to follow. God did that for Peter. That's that's why Peter knew it was the right answer. Now, that means we need God to do that for us. You think about it this way. If Peter and John and James and the other 12, those guys who saw Jesus every day and heard Jesus every day, if they needed God to enable them to see who Jesus really is, how much more do we need that? How much more do we need that? See, this is telling us that left, by, left to ourselves, we won't see it. We'll resist the truth. We'll miss it completely because we don't want to see it. We don't want to see it. See, this is telling us we need humility, big time humility. We need to see how completely dependent we are on God to help us see the true identity, the true glory of Jesus. We are dependent on God, and we need to be crying out to Him to help us get it. And if we've got it, to be just overwhelmingly grateful and never for a second prideful. Oh yeah, I figured out who Jesus is. God had mercy on you. Now, the disciples saw Jesus with their own eyes. Where do we see Jesus? Well, we see Jesus through what they wrote. See, Peter says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of people think that's what the Bible is. It's just a bunch of clever stories. Peter says, no, we didn't follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What we're telling you, we saw firsthand. The Apostle John, talking about his own book of John, fourth of the four biographies we have about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Talking about his own book, he says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs which are not recorded in this book, He did these in the presence of his disciples. We saw them. But these, the ones I wrote down, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See what he's saying? John is telling us there's enough of Jesus here. There's enough of Jesus here in this book. There's enough of what he did. There's enough of what he said for you to look and see and make up your minds. 
and believe that He is the Christ, that He is the Son of the living God, that He is the one who alone gives life, that He is the one we need to follow wherever He leads us. Is that who Jesus is for you? That's the question. Are you there yet? If you're not there yet, do you want to be there? Do you want to get there? How do you get there? Do you really want to know? Do you really want to know? Then look. Look at Jesus. If you don't have a Bible, take one from the seat rack in front of you, take it home. Go home and look up one of those four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read through it. Read them all. Read them again and again. And look at Jesus. Do not say you don't have time. Do not say you're too busy. I know you're busy. I'm busy. We're all busy. We make time for the things that are important to us. Make time to look at Jesus. Take the time... Look at Jesus carefully like it really matters because it really does. Those who follow him, life. Those who don't follow him, death. He said it, I didn't. It's a matter of life and death. Look like it really matters and then ask, okay? Because see, this really is a God thing. Ask. Ask God, help me to look. Help me to see. Help me to get it right. Help me to know who Jesus really is. Help me answer his question truthfully, honestly. Help me because I need your help. I really do. Ask him. Ask him to help. Ask him to help you see. And he will. He will. Can we bow together and pray for a minute here? And I'm just going to invite us all to basically ask our gracious God the same thing. Whether you've already come to know who Jesus is and put your trust in Him and choose to follow Him, or whether you're still undecided, or whether you've heard and seen, but you haven't really made up your mind. I think we could all pray the same thing and say, Father, help me look and see Jesus. I need to know who He really is. And I can't figure it out on my own. And if I've seen him before and I've kind of forgotten or I've kind of gotten used to this and I'm not living my life in just amazement that I, that I get to know Jesus. Or if I'm still trying to figure it out, I don't really know, help me figure it out. Wherever you're at, I just invite you to pray that simple prayer. Father, help me see Jesus. Help me make time. Help me not make excuses. Help me not be too busy to deal with the most important, the biggest question of all. Father, I need to pray again. Help me see Jesus more clearly. Help me understand 
what it means to follow him more carefully. Lord, if I get up and I'm irritable or if I get fearful during the day or I get worried or I get angry, somehow I've gotten my eyes off Jesus again. Thank you that you're so patient, you're so gracious, and you're so good because you want us to see who your son is. You want us to love the glory of your son more than we love life itself. So help us just put all the other stuff in perspective. Help us look to Jesus. Help us follow him and find life. Thank you that you have so graciously sent us such an awesome, incredible Savior. Thank you that he's coming again to make right every wrong. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.